If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 70 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday, November 1st, 2020. Let's get started by giving our shout out to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and, of course, where they feature Yapping Yankees. And also, don't forget to follow the main man behind the website, Darren on Twitter at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB for helping spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees. And also, don't forget, guys, that you can help spread the word about Yapping Yankees every week as well. And stay updated on everything having to do with both me and the Yankees by following me on all social medias. Follow my Facebook fan page at MikeScuderoNY. Follow me on Twitter at MikeScudero and on Instagram at MikeScuds97. Another new month, guys. It is November 1st, and it brings a couple of things. Yapping Yankees episode 70, which we love, and I absolutely cannot believe it's episode 70 already. And it brings us back an hour on the clock with the winter coming, which means it gets dark even earlier tonight, which I absolutely hate. (laughs) Any huge reminder of winter being around the corner makes me get significantly closer to the misery of that dreaded season, because god, the winter sucks. But as for this past week, and I do want to hit on this real quick, on Tuesday, we also got new champions of baseball. The Dodgers officially defeated the Rays in Game 6 and won their first World Series since 1988. So congratulations to the Dodgers, and I also thank them for winning in 6, as I had predicted before the World Series had started. I had Dodgers in 6. So yours truly nailed another prediction. And I also want to give credit to everyone in Major League Baseball for, again, banding together through this crazy COVID season. I've given credit many times throughout, but now that it's officially over, I want to give credit again for making it through this hectic, never-before-seen shortened season. And with no guarantees, they weathered the storm and gave us a season, and ultimately, we saw it all the way through. And that does deserve credit. However... At the end, there was something that definitely overshadowed that accomplishment a bit, at least, to make it a kind of bittersweet ending, as Rob Manford said after presenting Corey Seager with the World Series MVP trophy. Manford, of course, being our incompetent commissioner, who forgot how to speak English for a bit there, so add that to the list. But story for another day. Something happened that kind of overshadowed the accomplishment of making it through the season successfully, and going nearly 60 days without a positive COVID test throughout all of Major League Baseball. And it's a pretty big deal. And it all happened in Game 6. And if there were a Game 7, if the Rays were to force a Game 7, who knows what would have happened with that game after this had happened. It probably would have been postponed and they would have played it God knows when, maybe a week or two later, and it would have been extra frustrating to have to stop the World Series with only one game left to play. But fortunately, the World Series finished in 6, which made everybody happy, especially after this whole situation blew up. It was all done with and they can focus on righting this wrong. 
wrong. And this wrong being what happened with Justin Turner of the Dodgers. Now, they already apparently had a positive COVID test result from him, I believe a day or two prior, but they had also done another test afterwards just to ensure that it wasn't a false positive. Because Lord knows how many of those there have been since this virus came around. And they got the test results back for the second test, and it again came back positive. And Major League Baseball told the Dodgers of this during Game 6. So Justin Turner, someone who was verified to have the coronavirus while playing the World Series, was taken out of Game 6 in the 8th inning, and they threw him into an isolation room. So the timing of all of this, the nature of all of it, it's just absolutely bizarre. So he was taken out of the game and thrown into an isolation room. And you would think, if the Dodgers were to win, you probably won't see him out there celebrating, right? Wrong. Because he was given specific direction to not leave that isolation room. And I assume there had to have been somebody there watching him just to ensure that he doesn't leave and is not tempted to go out there to celebrate with his teammates. Now, I can only imagine how tough that would be for a guy like Justin Turner after going through this season and in the end, at the very end of it, not being able to go out there and celebrate with your team. I can definitely see how difficult that is. But when the Dodgers won, he not only left the isolation room to go out there and celebrate with his teammates, but at times wasn't even wearing a mask. I mean, how irresponsible can you be? Again, I understand how difficult that must be to be told that you can't celebrate the title with your team, but to completely disregard and at the very least go out there without a mask at times? When you know you have the virus? That is just so boneheaded, inconsiderate, to put it mildly. And people came down on him, Major League Baseball, and everybody involved for allowing somebody who had tested positive for COVID twice to go out there onto the field without a mask at times to celebrate with his team. And they deserved the heat for it because that's absolutely absurd that they allowed him to do that. And all the questions that I had for it after the situation was over was, how did he test positive in the first place while in a bubble in specific cities in each round and also depending on which league you were in? They played it in a quote-unquote postseason bubble. Specific cities, no traveling, isolated in the hotel areas when not playing. So how did he come down with COVID? Were the protocols broken and nobody knew? Was Justin Turner just horribly irresponsible? Was Major League Baseball failing to strictly and properly enforce the COVID protocol during the postseason bubble? And why did the results come out at the time that they did publicly? Were they given permission by Justin Turner to release the results? And when it comes to Turner himself, why was he allowed to go back onto the field without a mask at times, no less, when he definitely had the coronavirus? It's absolutely ridiculous. So, Major League Baseball is still investigating him, when in fact, they should also probably be investigating themselves for their apparent lack of ability to follow through with their own protocol, even allowing him back out there. So, just a lot of questions when it comes to this whole situation, and we'll see how the investigation ends up and what they decide to do, but the whole thing is just outrageous. But also, a couple of quick things about the game and my feelings on a couple of big talking points about it, and then we'll get into today's episode. First up, the taking out Blake Snell decision, and I'll make this quick. If you think 
that after the way Blake Snell was doing, only allowing two hits, and in the moment after having only allowed one hit in that inning, with the way he was pitching throughout that entire game, making basically everybody in the Dodgers lineup looking like they've never tried to hit a baseball before. After coming up on the top of the lineup again, who had gone 0 for 6 against Snell in that game, striking out a bunch of times, after only having about 73 pitches, with all of this reasoning, If you agree with Kevin Cash, who's usually a good manager, that it was right to take out Blake Snell in that moment after the way he was pitching, his ace in game six, a win or go home game for him. If you think that that was the right move, I'm not even quite sure how to approach a discussion with you. It goes beyond the gut feeling or analytical discussion that so many people had all across the world after this decision was made. And I do agree that this game is getting away from the players and moving towards the, I guess, quote-unquote, computer. Which, again, as I said, I'm fine with having a combination of both. A balance. The gut feeling or the eye test, as they put it. And with analytics. I want a balance between the two because I think you could benefit from both of them. But even far beyond, again the analytical or the eye test approach or the gut feeling, however you want to put it. This is just common sense. You don't take your starting pitcher out after the way that he was doing almost six innings of dominant pitching, just straight up dominant. The Dodgers had nothing going against him other than those two lousy hits. And you take him out of the game after just allowing one of those with his pitch count as low as it was with how stupid he was making the top of the lineup look. You just don't take your starter out there. You just don't, especially not for Nick Anderson, who had given up at least a run in his last like six outings. And for about a month plus there, he was doing bad for the Rays. And you bring him in on top of that to make it even worse? (sighs) Yeah, so to me, it's just common sense that you do not take your starter out in a situation like that. You just don't. And the entire world sounded off about it. And then bring in a guy who hadn't been performing well for a month plus before that on top of that. So it was a double whammy for me, honestly. It really was just horrible managing. And again, another move that when I was watching it, I said, this is not going to go well. And I had people next to me that heard me say that at that moment. And you know what? I'm glad that the Rays paid for it because it was a bad move. And it's even more alarming to me that there are a few people out there, not many at all, but a few people that are defending the move. I cannot even believe that. I would think it's common sense that you don't take your starter out there, let alone for a guy like Nick Anderson who had been struggling for a month. And what do you know? It ended up being a disaster. So that move really came back to bite the Rays, and it pretty much lost the game for them. And for many years going forward, I think it's going to be regarded as one of the worst calls people have ever seen in World Series history. It was an all-time bad call. It just was. And if you think it was the right move, again, I just really don't even know where to begin explaining to you how wrong it was, especially bringing in Nick Anderson afterwards. I just can't get over it. Even five days later, it's still getting to me. But again, I don't want to spend any more time on this, really, because this is not the main subject matter on my podcast, of course. But I at least wanted to touch on it a little bit, because Game 6 and the things that happened in it, both off the field with the Justin Turner debacle and on the field with this decision, I just wanted to touch on it for at least a little bit. And I also just wanted to say how thrilled I am for the Dodgers and how much credit they deserve, because they deserve a ton of it. Not only because this season's championship is beyond special, despite what the quote-unquote asterisk community says, but also because of how difficult the 
the last few years have been for them, making it to the playoffs, and then many times even making it to the World Series and just constantly coming up short. They finally broke through and did it, especially in a season like this. And again, the asterisk community trying to downplay this championship is just nonsense, saying it's not a legitimate title because of how different the season was. As I said, all of the unique and never-before-seen challenges, trials, and tribulations make this title beyond impressive in itself. And yes, it was all but guaranteed that teams like the Dodgers, the Yanks, and many others who made it to the postseason were going to make it to the postseason. But to win more games than ever in an expanded postseason like we've never seen before, 13 wins in a bubble, in neutral sites, no days off in the DSs or CSs, with no guarantees just like the entire season as a whole, and to win it amidst all of that craziness, all of those differences and changes, whether you like it or not, is incredible. So do me a favor, enough with the asterisk crap with this season. So to the Dodgers and their fans, don't even listen to it. This title is just as respectable in my mind as others. And in some respects, especially with the new challenges brought about by this year's postseason, maybe even more so. So let the Dodgers and their fans enjoy their well-deserved title and just be quiet. I mean, really. I've stood by this opinion all year long about whomever this year's champions were to be from the start. And I'm not changing it like some wusses out there just because the Yankees didn't win or whatever the reason. So, congratulations to the Dodgers and their fans. And especially for guys like Clayton Kershaw, who has been on the Dodgers since 2008 through all the good, all the bad, all the highs and the lows, all the seasons the last few years when the Dodgers have come up short, and all throughout pitching like the legend he is, and also ridding himself of his postseason stigma and silencing his haters by coming up big in both of his World Series starts this year. And I just cannot put into words how happy I am and how happy the whole world was for Clayton Kershaw for finally winning his well-deserved ring. So again, congratulations to Kershaw and congratulations to the Dodgers. And if any of you out there want to go more in-depth about the World Series discussion and the craziness of how it all ended up, whether it be the Justin Turner debacle, the Snell decision, or whatever you want to talk about with it, of course, you're more than welcome to always hit me up on my social medias. I'm more than glad to get into more detail about it, but I do want to move along here on the show and obviously get to the Yankees discussion because that's what we're all here for. And I I probably spent a little bit more time on this than I originally wanted to, but you guys know the deal. I can never shut up. But in any event, of course, with the World Series ending, so too does 2020 baseball. And it's even tougher this year because for this year, of course, we had baseball for a significantly less amount of time than we typically do. And I'm beyond glad that we got it back at all. As I've said many times in the past, do not get me wrong. But the fact of the matter is, we only got it back in late July, the last week of July. And just a couple of months later, we blinked as we knew we would. And here we are. Baseball in 2020 is already over. And we've got to go about another four to five months without it. And it's never easy in the offseason. I miss my favorite game every winter. And here we are yet again after, as I said, it feels like we just got baseball back a minute ago. So it's always tough, but even tougher this year, I would say. But with the end of baseball, of course, also comes all the offseason discussion. And it already even started last week as we already started to dive in on last week's episode. Be sure to go listen to that if you haven't already. 
But all the discussion already began and continues on, and for the first week of the offseason for all teams here, also comes decisions that the organizations have to make regarding whether or not they want to exercise club options for guys in their squad, if they happen to have options on their contracts that are up this year, that is. Of course, if they decide to exercise the option, that means the player sticks around for however many years the option has, along with the money promised. If the organization doesn't pick up the player's option, then the player enters free agency, which is expected to be wilder and more different than we've ever seen since organizations are trying to save as much money as possible because of the financial aftermath of the pandemic on the sport. We've spoken about this all already, but yes, at that point, they enter free agency and can either negotiate a new contract with the organization if the organization wants them back, or they can look elsewhere to other teams in free agency, obviously. And the Yanks have a few players with options on their contract that were up for this year, namely Zach Britton, Brett Gardner, and Jay Happ. And the Yanks made decisions on all of their options a few days ago, and we'll be discussing that a bit later on in Yankees news. And our poll this week also has to do with one of those three names there since his future with the team has been a big discussion for the last few off-seasons, I would say, honestly. And that has not changed for this one, so that ought to be a good discussion. And also later on in Yankees news, there was word on Gary Sanchez's plans for this offseason to maybe correct his awful struggles in 2020 for 2021. And it cannot be said enough how important of a year 2021 is for Gary. And it seems these plans are him trying to put in the work to better himself for next year. And I'll tell you about that later on as well. And also the Yankees made an announcement about Tommy Canely yesterday. What was it? I will also tell you about that later in Yankees news. Plenty to discuss today, so let's waste no further time and get right into this week's poll, starting on Twitter as always. This week's question is, do you believe it's time for the Yankees to move on from Brett Gardner? Not what you think the Yankees are going to do, but what you believe, what you think is the right move. Do you think it's time for the Yankees to move on from him? And of course, this question comes, as I just said before, in light of the decision they made with his club option just a few days ago, which again, we'll discuss at even more length in Yankees news. Now, me personally, as I've said in past weeks, I have an immense amount of respect for Brett Gardner, an immense amount. This guy's loyalty to the Yankees, regardless of the kind of money they've given him in the past, this guy's loyalty to the Yankees is unending. He wants to be a Yankee and nothing else, and he has shown that throughout all of his years on the team since 2008. So loyalty is not a problem, and that happens to be why I think the Yankees will bring him back in some way, shape, or form for 2021, especially since he said he wants to have one more season in front of the fans so he could have a proper goodbye, if anything. And since I do see that happening, and also just because I myself do truly feel this way, I do think that for the right money, Brett Gardner should return to the Yankees, but not as the everyday left fielder. I think that at this point, with the other options they have, and at this stage in Brett Gardner's career, that left field should go to the younger and more productive option, like Clint Frazier, who I feel at this point has definitely earned an everyday role in the outfield. But again, while I do feel that way, that Clint Frazier should have a more permanent role in left field as an everyday player over Brett Gardner, I do feel that Brett Gardner should return at some capacity, be there for when they need him, like when somebody needs a day off, which is very frequent on the Yankees, as we know. Something also very frequent, injuries. And you could almost bet that they're probably going to occur at some point or another in 2021, and Brett Gardner could be there to pick up the slack when and if they do happen. Not to mention the importance of veteran leadership and presence in the clubhouse, which I do feel has a presence with 
with the championship team. So with those conditions, not necessarily an everyday player, but there if you need him for whatever reason, clubhouse presence, less money, I do feel that Brett Gardner could very well and should very well be a Yankee again for one more season at least. But under those conditions, also I believe 2021 should be the final season, while also hopefully having a chance to say a proper farewell to the fans in person in what will hopefully be a regular season in which basically all normalcy within a regular season that we know of is basically restored. 162 games, fans in attendance, the list goes on, just back to normal, in which case he would have a proper farewell with the fans there like he says he wishes to have. So those are my thoughts on it. I do think he should be back for one more season under those conditions. Right now, of course, he's a free agent because, and we'll get into this later on, because the Yankees declined his $10 million club option for 2021, and we assume right now they're renegotiating a new contract with him in which they pay him less money to return for one more year, which I think if anyone in baseball is willing to take less money just to stay on a team, it's Brett Gardner with the Yankees. So those are my thoughts on whether the Yankees should move on from him or maybe bring him back for just one more season. But let's see what the hundreds of you who voted thought about this question. The two choices, of course, are yes, I believe it is time for the Yankees to move on from Brett Gardner, or no, they shouldn't move on from him. And out of the hundreds of votes that came in, the choice of yes was victorious, earning 61% of the vote, and 39% of you, the remaining 39%, voted no, they shouldn't move on from Brett Gardner. So the results are in favor of the Yankees moving on from him going forward. Now let's hear your thoughts down in the replies. We'll get to as many as possible before we move on to Yankees news and wrap up episode 70 today. First up in the poll replies on Twitter is at peace now for life, and they say no. I believe I believe Brett Gardner deserves one more year after all he's meant to this team for so long. He deserves to have Yankee fans say goodbye properly, filled in the stands. Well, yes, as I mentioned before, the loyalty that he's had to the Yankees all these years is definitely a huge factor. I completely agree. And I did also mention before, especially because Brett Gardner himself also said this, that he would like to say a proper goodbye to the fans when his time is up, that he should get that proper goodbye. And of course, we do hope that the 2021 season is as normal as possible to what we remember. It's just that these days, nothing is guaranteed and the future is so unpredictable. So we don't know what the deal is going to be with next season 100% yet, but we hope that it's as normal as we remember, in which case he does get to say his proper goodbye. So yeah, I agree. But for me, as you know, it also has to be under all those other conditions that I said. At Laker 477 says, no, Gardy played well in this short postseason, and he deserves to finish his career. As he himself has made clear is his hope after a normal season with fans and his family in the stands at Yankee Stadium. But of course, he has to agree to accept a much lower salary for it to happen. Yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, that's another good point. Something that I should have mentioned before. I think I actually planned to, but I might have forgotten. Yeah, of course. He did, in fact, just come off of probably the best postseason he's had. I think that's safe to say. It was incredible. He finished the season hot and took that hot streak right into the playoffs. And he played fantastic baseball. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that could be another reason why you maybe bring him back for another year because he earned it. But what's he going to do for an entire other season, even if he's not playing every day? And yes, another one of my conditions, accepting a much lower salary, definitely. And I'm sure that's what they're renegotiating for right now because I believe the Yankees understand that they can't pay this guy $10 million plus dollars at this stage of his career one and two amidst trying to cut 
cut payroll, where in that case, saving any little amount of money could be huge in spending elsewhere for a much bigger piece. But yes, I agree. Up next is at Noah underscore Dan, and Noah says, honestly, it really depends on the feelings about Talkman because Guardy would be a great guy off the bench if the team were to move on from Talkman and great price for the value you know you'll get from him, leader in dugout too. Well, yeah, even more so than Talkman, I would say the big obstacle is Frazier and how much he's earned that spot in the outfield every day after what he did this year and the transformation that he achieved. If I were the Yankees, I would pretty much, maybe not completely easily, but I would fairly easily move on from Talkman at this point. I don't know, maybe his sharp regression was because of the strange season, or maybe 2019 was a fluke? I don't really know. And the fact that Talkman is a lefty is definitely a plus too, because of course we know the Yankees could use more left-handed batters, but I think, as I said before, that Clint has earned that spot more than anybody. I think that's your bigger decision to make. Then we add, at MD Nelly says, he has been a good Yankee for a long time, but it's time to move on. He will be respected much like Roy White for being a player always proud to wear the pinstripe stripes, and he deserves our gratitude for that. I mean, he could definitely end up being remembered like somebody like Roy White, definitely. And I don't think anybody will or should ever forget his loyalty to the Yankees throughout the years, because it's definitely admirable, especially in these days where baseball is literally just nothing more than a business for most of the players. That's not how it's been for Brett Gardner. Of course, he plays to also make a living. I'm not saying that's not the case. I'm just saying that his will to remain a Yankee definitely seemed to outdo the desire to make any huge money that any other team may or may not have offered him throughout the years. He loves being a Yankee, and that's that. And he definitely does deserve gratitude. But you know what? I can't really blame people for saying that it's time to move on either, especially if they have rational reasoning like this, and for other people throughout their replies that you'll hear. So that's fair enough. Even as somebody who would like to see him back for a year, if you listen back to before, if you recall, there are also a lot of conditions I have, so it's not just cut and dry or black and white for me. At Devin Flodman says, he's still got it and he has to retire a Yankee. Well, yeah, I definitely agree he has to retire a Yankee. He is a Yankee. At Don Bonnie says, I hate to say this because he has been a Yankee player for a long time, but he is a below average player, especially now. Time to move on. I mean, hey, that's fair. Especially the last few years at times in certain areas of his game, he has definitely regressed, as most players do as they age. So that's not outrageous to say, and there are numbers to back up what you're saying too. At Laura underscore Iceman says, no, I think he'll return next year so he can get a proper send-off with fans in the stands. With that being said, he should be the fourth outfielder, and the starting duty should be handed over to Clint Frazier. Well, Laura, you echoed many of my thoughts, so you know I completely agree with that. At SDT927 says, Yes, a fantastic presence in the clubhouse, and he did a little better this year than I expected, but it's time to move on and play red full-time. He played an extra season, albeit a short one, because of Hicks's surgery. The Yanks owe him nothing more. Well, you know what? That's fair. That is a fair statement. And you know that regardless of whether they bring him back or not, I do also agree that it's time to play Clint full-time. I also agree with that. At Fodor underscore Ron says, We get in a rut of always chasing the shiny new penny. Gardner is like a dented nickel. Always in shape, ready for anything. He needs steady use to stay sharp, and I think the Yankees can find a place for him. Just as good as any outfield coach, but still a gamer. Hmm. Alright, pretty interesting analogy there in the beginning. 
At TJT Whitting here says, with all his years with the Yankees, he deserves to have his last year with fans and to get a proper send-off. Some sort of arrangement could be made. He doesn't need to play all the time necessarily, but his presence would be beneficial for the younger players. You know I agree with that. At iGolfDoYou says, yes, it's obvious Gardner's best days are behind him and will probably continue to decline rapidly. Left field is one position that the Yanks can use in helping create a more productive lineup. That's a fair point, and it's also fair to say that Clint Frazier has provided that. Hitting was never his problem. At A. Beltron1993 says, bring him back to be a bench player in case an injury occurs. That was definitely another reason I gave from before, if you remember, and it is definitely a very valid one. We know all the injury struggles the Yankees have experienced the last few years now, and it is definitely fair to assume that we'll be seeing at least maybe a decent amount of them occur again next year. It's just become such a staple of this team, the injuries. And of course, not a good one either, and Brett Gardner could be a big piece to help pick up the slack when it does happen. He's durable, reliable, and when injury does strike, he's usually there. So definitely a good point, and as you heard earlier, definitely a thought of my own too. At StexC13 says, I think if we can bring him back on a small vet deal, it's worth it. He's a great clubhouse guy. Agreed there about the clubhouse presence. At N NYY fan forever 96 says no I think he wants another year well yes he has expressed his desire to stick around for at least one more year so he could have a chance at properly saying goodbye to the fans in person so yeah at miss ds 17 says no he's still reliable still fast and cool under pressure he's a clubhouse leader too also some other fantastic players have been injury prone in recent years and Gardy has been a quality backup yeah all good points. All good points. At Allen underscore 317 says, It's Clint's turn. A potential all-star sitting on the bench because we love Guardy won't win us number 28. That's a fair point, and you know I agree, especially on an everyday basis. It's Clint's turn. I agree with that. At Bobby Tat 631 says, Sadly, yes. He gave everything to the organization, but it's time to make room for younger players. That's completely fair, Bobby. All right, let's do a couple of more. At Jackie Misses says, Gardner is still a good fielder, is a good runner, and is willing to take a walk. Get on base anyway, anyhow. Roy White was with the Yankees 18 years, same position. He was always in the middle of big innings. Paying Gardner less, but letting him stay is a win for all. All right, fair enough, Jackie. And that's interesting. We've got a couple of Roy White comparisons now. At Black Rebirth 52 says, no, it's time for him to go. It's Clint Frazier's time to shine. I'm thankful for the 2009 championship he helped get us, but that was 11 years ago. It's time to move on. My redhead stepchild is gonna crush it. <laughs> Okay, redhead stepchild, all right. <laughs> Up next, wow, redheaded stepchild, I can't get past that. Up next is at Yankees Goddess, and she says, no, not yet. The 2020 season would have been his last if it had been a normal season. He said he wants his last to be in front of the fans and his family, and I think he deserves that in 2021. Yeah, as I said, he did say that, and I agree. I completely agree. At B4Mets underscore Yankees says, not until he gets the in-person thank you from fans at Yankee Stadium that he deserves. Yeah, that seems to be a frequent thing in these replies, and I agree. All right, let's finish off with one more here on Twitter. Up next is at 96 Liverpudlians, and he says, as much as I think the Yankees can do better than Gardner, it might make sense to bring him back as a fifth outfielder on a very cheap one-year deal. He has the skill most Yankees lack. 
durability. So when the eventual injuries arise, he would be a nice, cheap replacement. Well, as I said earlier, those were basically the same reasons I mentioned. I think that is a very, very fair opinion. And a good one to finish off the Twitter replies at that. As always, I want to thank each and every one of you who replied on Twitter. Let's head on to Instagram before we wrap up this week's poll segment and head on to Yankees news. Same question, of course, on Instagram. Do you believe it's time for the Yankees to move on from Brett Gardner? And of course, DM me with your thoughts below for a chance at a shout out on the show, just like replying on Twitter gets you a chance at that shout out as well. And as far as which choice won, it stayed the same here on Instagram because of all the Instagram voters that came in, 57% voted yes that it is time for the Yankees to move on from Brett Gardner, and 43% said no, it's not time to move on. Closer results here on Instagram, but the same choice was victorious. Let's hear a few replies from you Instagrammers. First up is my good friend Tina, MountainGal456, and she says, Love Gardy and everything he brings to this team, including his leadership, but like all players, it's time to move on. I would love for him to stay within the Yankees organization if he ever decided to retire. Time to start bringing up the young Yankee talent, even though it's hard to say goodbye. Well, Tina has echoed many of the same opinions as many prior replies did, and I think it's completely fair. You gotta bring up the young talent and move on at some point, especially when they got the talent of guys like Clint Frazier, who many of you have also repeated my opinion that it's time for him to take over at least the everyday responsibilities in the outfield. Up next is Anthony Nevy, and Anthony says, Guardy deserves a proper retirement in Yankee Stadium. Well, a lot of other people said the same, and I totally agree. Up next is my amazing girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and Vic says, I'd love for Gardner to be a Yankee forever, but I think it's time to move on to a new chapter. Gardner has had a great run. I just wish he could have gotten a ring in a normal season this year. Yeah, I wish too, especially with the postseason he had. As I said before, probably his best postseason performance ever this year. But hey, even if he has a lesser role with the team if he is to return next year, hopefully next year could be that opportunity. He's the last guy left from that 2000 nine championship team, and it would be extremely nice if the Yankees could get him a second ring just before he retires. And lastly, as always, we have my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and my mom says, as long as a veteran player can still surprise us with good and unexpected plays, we should not move on without them. It's called loyalty, and someone the new players can look up to. He still has gas in his tank, an oldie but goodie. Brett Gardner has been a wonderful Yankee and should remain until he cannot fulfill his role as he would like to. Lots of good points, mom, and my mom does care about loyalty. And there haven't been many more loyal to the Yankees than Brett Gardner, we know that. So, my mom is a Brett Gardner believer, and it does seem that she wants him to return for at least one more season, and her reply, like everyone else's in this poll segment, as always, was absolutely great, and there were fantastic points made for both sides, and that's what I like to see. So as I say every week, I just want to thank you guys so, so much for taking your time to join in on the fun with this week's Yapping Yankees poll. You know that words cannot properly express how much I appreciate your interactions. You know the drill. If I didn't get to you, just keep on replying in future social media segments, guys. I will get around to you eventually. I try to get to as many of you as I can because I love reading your replies and responding to them here on the show. I have so many great people who love to interact with the show, and also I got a bunch of great listeners out there, and I'm thankful for each and every one of you. 
But let's finish things off here on episode 70 with some Yankees news. We're going to start off with the news that came out about Gary Sanchez five days ago on Tuesday, and then we'll get to some discussion on what the Yankees have done with the players with club options on their contracts for this offseason. Those guys, again, as I said before, being Zach Britton, Brett Gardner, and Jay Happ, and also what's been done with Tommy Canely, who, as we remember, just got Tommy John surgery at the beginning of this shortened season. Something happened with him, too, this past week, and I'll tell you what happened with him at the end of the segment. But again, first up, the Gary Sanchez news that came out on Tuesday. And the news was that Gary Sanchez will be partaking in winter ball in the Dominican Republic this winter. So winter ball in DR. And this is actually the first time that he's doing this winter ball since the winter of 2013 going into 2014. So clearly it's been some time since Gary Sanchez has done this over the winter. So there must be a big reason why he's doing it. And of course, we do know that there's a big reason behind it. That reason being how miserable of a season he had in 2020. And you have to assume that he's going to be doing everything that he can to turn that around for next year. And hey, if winter ball is how he does that, if that's what helps him get back on track for next year, then I am all for it. Play all the winter ball you have to for all I care. (laughs) Spend all winter there until spring training starts if you must. If that's what it takes, then by all means, play all the winter ball you want, Gary. (laughs) Because as we've said, and it goes without saying, Watching Gary Sanchez, quite frankly, throughout 2020, at the plate, and even at many times behind the plate, was, to say the least, an absolute chore. It was a chore watching Gary Sanchez play baseball this year. Whether you're a Gary defender or were a Gary defender like me, you simply can't deny that, otherwise you're just not living in reality. Gary Sanchez was a chore to watch this year, and he's got to get back on track. And with the seasons before that, he's had good qualities about those years, good times in those seasons, but it's about time that Gary Sanchez take that next step in his career. This guy is heading into his late 20s, he's supposed to be in his prime right now, and it just seems like he continues to head downward, and this year was another example of that. He was horrible this year. And attribute it to the weird season or not, the fact is, as I said before, It was a chore to watch Gary play this year. But, as I said, I appreciate it when guys are clearly putting in hard work to change. And especially because of how many years have gone by since he even did this, this action of him going to DR to play winter ball for the first time in six or seven years tells me that he's dedicated to try to turn things around for him in his career here. And I do hope that it helps him because we know how much it benefits the Yankees when Gary Sanchez is playing good baseball. He's a big part to the team when he's playing well. And we know his potential, but lately, and especially this past season, my God, it was just awful. Awful. Did I emphasize that enough? So again, it's good to hear that he's at least trying to turn it around. That's very respectable, and Lord knows I hope it works. But best of luck to Gary, as again, he's playing winter ball in DR for the first time since 2013 into 2014. First offseason in six, seven, almost eight offseasons that he is doing this. So that tells me that he himself has also realized that it just needs to change. His production in all aspects of his game just simply needs to improve. It really does. And I hope that throughout the winter, he works really hard at it. And for 2021, that we get a Gary Sanchez that is out for blood to prove himself. As I said earlier in the show, 2021 is a beyond important year for Gary Sanchez, and he needs to do well next year for the sake of him and his career. There is no way around it. And if this is the path that he's got to take that he thinks will help him, then winter ball it is. 
And also, he actually will not be going alone, because Miguel Andujar will also be joining him. So both Andujar and Gary Sanchez are headed to the DR to play winter ball this offseason. And hopefully it helps Andujar too, because honestly, whenever he did play this year, especially down the stretch when he got that bit of playing time, he did show shades of his old hitting abilities. So that was good to see, but of course, we all know the area of his game that could use all the work in the world. We know what that area is, and that is his defense. So hopefully when he's down there playing winter ball with Gary, he keeps at it with trying to improve his defense. He's had a few years to do it now, and I'll admit it's starting to look more and more as the years pass, of course, that he's just not destined to be a good defender. But who knows, guys? As I said earlier, life is very unpredictable nowadays, and for all we know, it could help him or it might not. Only time is going to tell. But those two will be in DR playing winter ball this offseason, and hopefully they work as hard as they can to improve their on-the-field flaws. But also keep in mind that Miguel Andujar's name might be thrown around in some trade proposals this offseason. And if those trade proposals do come to fruition, you might be seeing whether or not the offseason winter baseball benefited him on another team. I mean, that's just another thing we'll have to see about this offseason, as we've spoken about in the past, but that's another thing we'll have to wait and see about. You never know what the Yankees' crowded infield, if Andujar even has a role there anymore in the future. So, we shall see, and I wish them both the best of luck in winter ball, and that they work as hard as they possibly can to improve in all the areas of their game that could use improvement. All right, time to talk about our Yankee players that had their club options on their contract for this year, and what the Yankees decided to do with them this past Thursday. The first parts of the offseason are usually teams and players working out things like this, or not working out, which usually leads to the team and the player usually renegotiating for a new contract or the player looking elsewhere in free agency. Let's start with Zach Britton first, one of the major arms in the back end of the Yankee bullpen, and the Yankees did in fact on Thursday pick up Zach Britton's $14 million option for 2022. I say 2022 because the option was a two-year option, and if the Yanks had declined it, Britain could have either opted out or stay with the one-year $13 million for next year. But they picked up his 2022 option, sealing him for next year and 2022 right now. So it's clear where the Yankees want Zach Britton to be, and that's right here in New York. It's obvious how highly they value him, as they should. And I know that, like anyone else, he has his nights that aren't at all pretty and can sometimes even get ugly. But more often than not, he is definitely a very, very reliable and respectable arm out there on the back end of the Yankees' bullpen. And he's always ready, willing, and able to pitch whenever and wherever the Yankees need him to. And that makes him very important to the team. And he gets both lefties and righties out. And he said he loves it here, too, many times. So, I say this is a solid move by the Yankees to lock him up through 2022. Well done by the Yankees there. I'm glad that Zach is not only sticking around for one, but two years. Very important to the bullpen. Very important. As far as Brett Gardner, they declined his $10 million option, and they owe him a $2.5 million buyout for declining his $10 million option. And we already spoke a ton about Gardy, but just as a reminder, this does not mean he's definitely leaving just because they declined his option for next year. I imagine they're negotiating with with him for him to remain here just for cheaper probably and for maybe a lesser role like a fourth or fifth outfielder like many of us said before including myself while also being there for his clubhouse presence while someone like Clint has much more of a full-time role and I also said this before not for nothing this is definitely a valid point too considering the struggles the team has had in this department for years now 
He could also be there for when injuries strike, which is more important than you can put into words, as we've seen the last few years, especially given Gardner's durability in general, too. So that could be how the Yankees could be trying to get him back right now in renegotiations. And when it comes to Jay Happ, they will also thankfully, thankfully, thank God, decline Happ's absurd $17 million option, as I anticipated they would. Because, I mean, what else needs to be said about Jay Happ? With the exception of his starts in the second half of 2018 after they acquired him, not including the game one start in Boston because that was terrible, failing to come through in the one role the Yankees got him for that year to beat the Red Sox, and a few starts this year, especially down the stretch as we remember, much more of Jay Happ's time on the Yankees than not was absolutely horrible both on the field and even off the field this year, with him just carrying on about how he thought the Yankees were messing with the starts so they wouldn't have to automatically have to give him that $17 million option for next year without discussion. And yeah, even if the Yankees did do that intentionally for that reason, maybe because it was, I don't know, because he was awful most of the time, so why would they want to definitely dedicate $17 million next year when they're trying to cut payroll to Jay Happ, where that money could easily go elsewhere for the Yankees' plans this offseason. And for the $17 million club option to automatically go through for 2021, he would have had to have made at least 10 starts or throw 62 innings this past season. And of course, he did neither of those. He had nine starts and threw 49 and a thirds innings. So in my opinion, whether or not the Yankees were intentionally skipping over his starts this past season to avoid having to give him that option without any discussion next year is irrelevant to me. And I don't care to hear Jay Happ's whining over it, because despite whether or not the Yankees did that and Jay Happ's opinion on it, there's one crucial fact. If Jay Happ were as important to the team as he claims he was, and if he was as good as he claims he is, then they wouldn't have skipped over his starts, number one, and two, maybe they would be willing to at least renegotiate with Happ if they cared about bringing him back, which the Yankees probably don't at this point. At least I don't think he's coming back. I don't see Jay Happ having a future with the Yankees anymore. I think his time here is done both because of how much he stinks on the mound and because of all the whining he's done off of it. So I am not surprised that the Yankees declined this absurd option, and I'm extremely glad that they had the opportunity to even do so by having Jay Happ not make those at least 10 starts and 62 innings throughout the season. And again, it could have been better for Jay Happ if he just pitched well. But even though he had his good moments as a Yankee, many more of his moments as a whole were awful. And I do think Jay Happ's days as a Yankee are officially behind us. At least I hope they are, because the $17 million per year that was going to him could definitely, definitely be used in other areas of need for the Yankees. So good riddance, hopefully, to Jay Happ. And lastly today, this was reported just yesterday, but there was a major report about Tommy Canely and his potential future. And as far as his future with the Yankees, there's a chance that it could not be looking too good because Tommy Canely elected free agency in lieu of accepting an outright assignment. That's what the Yankees reported word for word. So he declined the Yankees' assignment and elected to go into free agency. Now, if the Yankees were to definitely lose Canely going forward, that would obviously stink. It would really, really suck. And we saw that it definitely had an effect on this team this year, not having him out there. Missing his arm was big, and I would say it definitely hurt the bullpen not having him out there. But this honestly doesn't come as a big surprise for me, him electing free agency and the Yankees giving him an outright assignment. And I'll explain why. 
Canely was going to be a free agent after next season anyway, after 2021. A season where, at best, he'd pitch maybe, maybe at the very end of the season, otherwise not at all, because of his Tommy John surgery, of course. So, for him, and for the Yankees, who, as we also talked about last week, and a few times this week too, are cutting payroll, for those reasons, for both sides, this move makes sense, and it doesn't surprise me. I mean, maybe they can still work something out with him, a new deal that's reasonable for him to stick around while rehabbing throughout 2021, and have him for 2022, when he'll likely be ready after rehabbing the Tommy John surgery, but otherwise, it seems like Canely's days as a Yankee could be over. But again, like everything else, with this, the same applies. Only time will tell. But that's the news on Tommy Canely. And I do also want to mention that any offer that's being declined that you don't like, regardless of which player or team you're talking about, it should be mentioned that around baseball, there are declined options all over the place with tons of big-name talents hitting free agency because so many teams are trying to save money and cut payroll. I mean, Corey Kluber is a free agent. The Indians even placed their closer, Brad Hand, one of the best relievers in the game, on outright waivers. And to the best of our knowledge, the Indians have the intention to decline his $10 million club option if he goes unclaimed, at which point he would become a free agent. And these are just a couple of examples. There are huge names hitting free agency right now. Again, because of organizations trying to cut back, there's going to be some solid talent out there on the market. And with most organizations being very careful with spending money, as I've said time and time again, guys, this is going to be a winter unlike any other. And it's already shaping up to be that way. And I cannot wait to see what future weeks have in store for us, especially as far as our Yankees are concerned, and whether or not they decide to take action on at least one of these available names out there, while also keeping their intentions of lowering payroll in mind. It's very interesting to see how they're going to balance that, maybe picking up one of these humongous talents, but also staying underneath the $210 million payroll threshold like they've said they want to. It's going to be real interesting to see how they balance their money, and if they plan on going outside the organization to pick anyone up. And wow. <laughs> Listen to this. I just took a peek over at my phone. I swear this just came in. What a catch just before we end. This just came in at the time that I'm recording. And it makes sense because of the time. It's around the evening here. But the Yanks just gave DJ LeMayhew a qualifying offer for 2021. $18.9 million for the year. And that's, <laughs> that's good money. And this came in just before the 5 o'clock deadline that teams have to give any of their guys a qualifying offer. So they gave him this qualifying offer right at the deadline just about. And now DJ has give or take a week and a half to decide whether or not he'll accept that for 2021 or if he wants to go into free agency and test the market in this offseason. Maybe negotiating for more money or a longer deal. And if he were to go into free agency, his name would be amongst many other massive talents that elected for free agency already with tons of teams, as I said before, trying to save money. But all I know is, regardless of which path he takes, accepting this qualifying offer or electing to go into free agency to negotiate for more money or more years or both, in some way, shape, or form, the Yanks just better get DJ back. 
Just get him back, please. That's all I'm asking. But it is an offseason unlike any other, guys. And we'll see what DJ does with this $18.9 million offer that just came in and what happens in general over the course of the next week. It's exciting, guys. Fun stuff. But as for now, that is all for episode 70 of Yapping Yankees today. Let's give one last shout out to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and, of course, where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also follow the main man behind the website, Darren on Twitter at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB for helping spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees. And also be sure to follow me on all social media so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me personally, along with the Yankees, and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram social media segments every Saturday. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds. 97. And I would also really appreciate it, guys, if you took the time to hit that subscribe button on the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel, which also, by the way, just went over 100 subscribers, so keep on subscribing, guys. Thank you all for that. But do subscribe to the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel if you haven't already, and also subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're at it, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you've missed. Episodes 34 up to this one, episode 70, are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Yapping Yankees is available on all four of those platforms, so do help spread the word and tell everybody you know to listen to Yapping Yankees. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, November 8th, when I come at you with episode 71 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and go vote! Election day is in two days, so be sure to go vote. God help us all. Oh boy. Have a good week, guys, and continue to enjoy the MLB offseason action. I'll be here again to talk about all of it with you next week. Take care.